0: Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts Ravi and Arvind. Part of these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Welcome to another edition of. Uh masala pti boys and girls it's good to be in episode two of the reboot um i have my partner ravi here with me actually this is arvind hey ravi how is it how does it feel to be on episode two already Uh,
1: two in two weeks couldn't get better arvind so i think at least thus far our strike rate is 100 percent. so all happy
0: especially for us after the long layoff I think we are, <laughs> we are well on our way to becoming India's uh, potfathers. There are too many people uh, who call themselves part fathers in the U.S. Let's go for it in, uh, in a global scale.
1: It definitely. I mean, uh, hopefully that is, uh, uh, that is uh, our unique niche. Like two guys from India talking only or primarily about American sports, including about the fantasy side of it. Come on, how, how much more unique can we get?
0: With a funny accent, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, all right. So, let's get started. Well, let's start with the the most ridiculous or the most active issue of the off-season, which is the helmet gate. Um, what do you think of Antonio Brown and this whole helmet thing? I mean, what a clown. I I'm really disappointed in him. And one justification for him probably the only one from some of his supporters is how he's just playing this game to skip out on uh, on the training camp. But what a bad time for that. It, he's, he's in a new system. He's with a new quarterback. If he has to show up for training camp and play every snap he uh, he could, this, this is really the year he should be doing that. This is not Ben Roethlisberger and his eighth year in the system or something like that. So I really don't know what's up with this guy, and uh, I'm really scared for his fantasy projections. A super, super talented guy, right? But just uh, doesn't seem to have his uh, head screwed on right. Uh, What is your reaction to the helmet saga? And have you been watching Hard Knocks at all, by the way? I actually don't watch that show, but I was curious uh, about what uh, you do with that show.
1: You know, everything you said, Darwin. it felt like you had been watching every episode of Hard Knocks because A, I completely <laughs> agree with you regarding uh, your opinion on Antonio Brown. To me, it feels like a huge darn circus, which is meant to, to achieve only one thing, which is to basically skip uh, preseason and the corresponding practice before week one. Otherwise, the guy has absolutely no reason or no justification for the kind of silliness that he is displaying. Hard knocks actually, if you watch it, further would validate uh, uh, you know, both your point as well as the general uh, angst and irritation that you can sense from Raiders management. In fact, uh, you probably saw their GM, Mike Mayock, uh, go on and uh, you know address the media and say that uh, Brown needs to let them know whether he's all-in or all-out. Yeah. And uh, there was a further, you know, a more detailed uh, sense of irritation uh, that was visible in uh, him uh, if you watch episode three of uh, Hard Knocks where he was kind of really uh, frustrated, which was kind of in stark contrast to Gruden who's still kind of going with the Kumbaya, he's our you know best player he's the best uh, wide receiver in the league and this and that and he doesn't need to practice and all of it i just think if there is something really uh, to the fact that chemistry does matter you know on a team mm-hmm. uh, especially on a team that is that has been putrid for, for the last several years looking to form a new identity it, it was tailor-made it, sorry it was tailor-made for like a superstar to come in display all the right behavior and kind of be the the signature guy for this team. And instead, Brown has been more petulant, more childish, and literally more idiotic than one could have even ever given him credit
0: for. That's true. That's true. This is a new low even for him. Yeah. And uh, you make a good point in that it's not just about the reps and the football side of things, right? The new system, the practice, and all of that. As disturbing as that is, you're absolutely right. If he is a veteran, a superstar, a leader... Uh, this is the last thing he's, he should be doing, and I can't blame the Raiders management for being upset with him. Um, in terms of uh, fantasy, you know, this is the fantasy season, and obviously we'll be spending a lot of time in this podcast, the later half, on uh, fantasy, but I think, he, you know, I'm really scared to touch him, but also fairly confident he might have a good good uh, year, so I keep back, going back and forth. Uh, at the end of the day i may just not touch him uh, i'm not sure where you stand with him
1: so it's it's a dilemma Arvind, and I, I think the only way to break that uh, confusion is to frankly think of what uh, you know what what you would consider where you would pick your number 1 wide receiver not named Julio, DeAndre Hopkins, Devante Adams, Michael Thomas, etc. Because all of those guys are kind of consensus first-rounders or close to being consensus first-rounders. What I mean is that if someone, say for example me, has a strategy to prefer picking two running backs in the first two rounds and by some reason Antonio Brown ends up being available in the third round, I think I might go for him. So, this doesn't obviously mean that I consider him a wide receiver one. Mm -hmm. But at that late stage, in the third round, especially towards the latter part of the third round, if he is going to be available, as he is right now on Fantasy Pros, I think he's a fair buy. Anything Mm -hmm. earlier than that, I wouldn't touch him.
0: Right, that's what makes it tricky, right? Because based on his performance in Pittsburgh and his usual position, he's already kind of low, you could argue. Yes. Uh, But then he's low for a reason... And then, which is the new system, and uh, offense that was pretty bad last year. A quarterback who was pretty shaky last year in uh, car and all of that. Um, given all that, and then you add this complexity of uh, you know off-court uh, shenanigans. It's really a tricky pick. But I agree with you that for his talent level and his usual production, he's already a good buy at like in the third round or something like that. Why would you not pick him uh, there if he's available? That's really the exact dilemma I think everybody's going to be facing in any case um that's a problem if we have a shot at him, we can you yeah
1: know. Either just to add one more point is also okay, if not him who in that cloud in that in that range. And again, I was going, looking at uh, the fantasy pros wide receiver rankings. Mm-hmm. So once you have crossed the hump of these, again, bona fide number one guys, and you have reached that that cloud which consists of Antonio Brown and T. By Hilton and Adam Thielen and Amari Cooper and Stefan Dix, you kind of have issues with each one of them, you know? Yes, so When yes. that is the case, might as well go for the one that is to be the most reliable of them all so that's the area where I would draft him if I had the chance
0: right, it's a tantalizing uh, proposition however he's definitely putting on a clown show right now
1: absolutely
0: (laughs) Anyways, so other news and notes from the preseason I have been really impressed with what I see from rookie Daniel Jones of uh, New York Giants and probably part of it is because especially after Baker Mayfield went after him I really want him to succeed for some reason, Uh, not to mention replacing Eli Manning and kind of freeing up that whole offense uh, would be a great thing for all of us, uh, both as fans as well as, uh, you know, fantasy uh, heads. So, you know, obviously it's just a couple of preseason appearances and we shouldn't read too much into it. But, you know, like I always say, it's better to be be good than bad, right, at least. So he's got that going for him right now. Um, On the flip side, uh, I was really shocked at how bad Jimmy Garoppolo was in that game for the Niners. These two guys are kind of in two extremes right now as far as what their expectations were and how they showed up in this uh, latest preseason game. I still don't want to overreact to either. Jimmy G is pretty much playing after uh, a year pretty much and then uh, he's, he has only 8 games under his belt so he's not a very experienced season guy so I'm going to attribute at least some of his struggles to Rust but these two things uh, stood out for me over the last uh, week or week and a half and um, just wanted to see if you have any other observations or, on anything pre-season or more thoughts on these two dudes
1: yeah no more thoughts on either of these. Uh, obviously, my uh, understanding of uh, uh, what's going on with uh, Jimmy is non-existence. I didn't watch the preseason. I obviously was privy to the fact that he threw what his first six passes in some preseason scrimmage were all interceptions, and then obviously he had a pretty crappy uh, week one as well. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that has got. I mean, you know, that, how that is relatable to how he will be week one. Uh, in terms of Daniel Jones, I think my only thought was that it does provide the Giants some sense of hope, as and when uh, they decide. I am not. It's uh, in my mind. It's not even a question of if. To yeah. me it is When they decide mm-hmm. that Eli is no longer, uh, you know, a, a, an NFL level quarterback, and I right. hope that is sooner rather than later, for one reason <laughs> yeah. and one reason alone. Just as a point of sympathy to those who draft Saquon at number one, I think he needs someone better than Eli to be checking the ball. <laughs> um, my only other observation, which is kind of slightly uh, off the beaten path, is how good uh, Darius guys uh, looked uh, yesterday mm-hmm. uh, in in you know in in the game against the Falcons. Uh, again, preseason one has to take it with a huge bucket of salt, but having said that, just to show up and. Uh, whatever I think he had 11 carries for 44 yards or something like that. He sh- seemed to be uh, exactly the kind of running back that Washington seemed to be hoping to get last year. Yeah. and that would be one of and I know point for a later discussion, but he's exactly the kind of guy that I would not mind throwing a you know throwing a 10th, 11th, 12th round pick on, given the total open ended um, uh, competition that the running back position is. Uh, in Washington
0: this year. Yeah, interesting you say his name because he shows up in a last a uh, lot of uh, bust list as well. So it's good for him that he uh, he had a good showing yesterday. He is yeah. uh, one of those uh, names that is both in the sleeper as well as bust lists uh, across the internet. Um we will we'll hit on uh, sleepers and busts today later in the podcast. Um but before that i also wanted to talk about where this preseason thingy is headed right it looks like there's a lot of discussion about the nfl preseason because it's always been a scam especially for the season ticket holder uh i try my best to not go to preseason games um, but they shout those tickets down my throat uh <laughs> whenever I'm a season ticket holder for uh, any of the teams, Now, on top of that, the teams are completely, quote-unquote, just like NBA load managing these guys, right, out of the preseason. Um, did you see the call saying even uh, Jacoby Brissett will not be playing in the next preseason? So it's now getting to a point where they don't want to play anybody who is even remotely, uh, you know, useful for them in any of these preseason games. So what's the point? And then add on to that, that, you know, there's injury like what Cam Newton suffered yesterday when he did play. It looks like preseason game may finally die a natural death. Now, the owners may want to expand the regular season to 18 games or something like that, which which is a discussion for another day. But I think uh, preseason is getting more and more useless and just needs, it has to be on the way out.
1: Agreed, 100%. I think there's nothing positive that comes out of preseason, you know, uh, uh, without exception, none of the preseason standouts uh, over the past several years, whether it be at running back or wide receiver or like Daniel Jones, some quarterback, have ever ended up translating that to a sizable role or performance during the regular season. So nothing good comes out of it. On the other hand, There have been enough evidences, Cam Newton yesterday, Edelman, was it what, last year or the year before, actually two years ago, numerous cases where it only ends up uh, potentially messing up uh, with a key player's season and by, uh, as a result of it, uh, that of their team as well. So, yeah, uh, Mm. I see absolutely no benefit from these preseason games other than obviously the commercial reasons associated with it.
0: Yeah, and they're playing to half-empty stadiums and... You know, at least the NBA puts most of it in neutral venues where they don't have uh, any uh, NBA. Like, you know, they would go to Bakersfield and things like that. So I just noticed that the Raiders actually played at Winnipeg or something last uh, uh, last night. Uh, maybe that's the model they need to go to. Just uh, well, I would recommend cut it to two games. Uh, it may still be useful to have one tune-up for the home stadium and things like that. Uh, and then just put put the other one in neutral uh, venues, uh, or or put all of them in neutral venues, except when you are opening a new stadium or something where you want the tune-up. Uh, I Agreed. think yeah, that's that's, it.
1: that's a really good point. I think if the idea at the end of the day is to continue monetizing the sport, one way of doing that is to popularize it in areas where there isn't as much of an exposure. So, I guess the natural, uh, 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 in a way you do that is basically by hosting games in locations that do not have a team. Right. Uh, and I think you're absolutely right. I think that it would be the only justification to even have these preseason games.
0: Right, right. It's also uh, usually in late summer. So, go play in, like, Montana or something, right? So
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Anyways, um, yeah, I think it's time to jump into some fantasy stuff but before that I just want to hit on one uh, NBA thing Uh, Ravi, you know um, I kind of felt bad for uh, Boogie, you know, DeMarcus Cousins for his latest injury and just already his Lakers season kind of ending with the ACL torn ACL Um, the guy has been on a really bad stretch of uh, horrible luck the last year and a half uh, nothing seems to be working out for him and I kind of feel bad for him because he's always been really talented, a little controversial at times, but I think he got his heart in the right place. Um, not that I know him personally, but seems like a overall a sensible dude and this latest injury basically takes him out of commission. So he went from, you know, saying no to a pretty sizable contract, uh, expecting a max then getting injured in New Orleans. And then I think they offered him two years, 40 million or something like that, which he took it took offense to it. Then he ends up with the Warriors in a mid-level, which is like 5.7 million a year or something, hoping to completely reinvent himself and rehabilitate his image. That didn't quite go as planned, and he gets injured in the playoff again. He comes back. Uh, it's neither here nor there. And then Lakers actually sign him for 3 million, which is even less. And again, he's hoping that you'd have another great year and next year would be his uh, big payday. And then this injury happens. It's almost like, uh, uh, you know, star-crossed or whatever they say. It's hard to feel bad for a guy who's made more than 100 million a year, but uh, still, uh, it's a pretty bad stretch for a guy who used to play here right in the Bay for the Warriors.
1: Yeah, and you're right. I think for anyone, and I know that uh, uh, Cousins has been kind of a divisive figure. There are people who can't stand him and then there are other people who absolutely love him. And, it, you know, you could be on either side of that, but it is still really, really sad to see him both what, his third significant injury and all three have been pretty, you know, freak occurrences. Yeah. Uh, so, So, but... I'm just hoping for his sake and for goodness sake that, you know, he comes back. I think the consolation and I was reading this, I believe it was on Hoops Habit or something, where there is some level of, uh, I wouldn't call it optimism, but at least a uh, feeling that this shouldn't or wouldn't be a career ending or impact ending uh, injury for him. And a big reason for that is compared to others like Greg Oden or Larry Sanders, uh, who kind of again suffered devastating injuries, which pretty much ended their careers? Uh, Cousins is pretty thick. I mean, in the sense he's not one of those, you know, all bone, lean and tall. Yeah. Uh, but but not very uh, tough uh, physically, tough and strong centers. He actually might be one of the what, top three or five stronger uh, right. players in the league. And he's not. Uh, he's
0: not very athletic either. So yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Exactly. So. Hopefully, uh, you know, that's something which uh, works to his advantage. Uh, to me, on a slightly idiotic and, uh, you know, less serious note, the other tragedy with the Cousins injury is that the Lakers are uh, th- evaluating White Howard uh, to be brought back as <laughs> that a, a centre that... as well as a player. And I'm like, you know, that's probably the, uh, the secondary <laughs> impact of the Cousins injury.
0: That was going to be my next question, by the way. So, basically... Um, while we feel bad for Boogie, I'm sure neither of us feel really bad for the Lakers. Uh, in fact, I was thinking he was going to be one of the major X factors for them. Now he's gone. So now they're, uh, you know, trying out of supposedly Dwight Howard, Joachim Nova, even uh, Maurice Pates and Marcin Grotard. Um, any, any of those names you like, or you're, uh, you like for the Lakers or you're scared, uh? of uh, seeing them in a Laker uniform as a, a, you know, Suns fan. All of them
1: seem like, you know, token. It's almost like you put a mannequin who's like seven foot (laughs) feet tall as a centre. I have a, like, you know, maybe it's an idiotic idea, but like, you know, an idea worth discussing nevertheless. There is this player, he's pretty good at what he he does. He is close to being seven feet tall and his name is Anthony Davis. Why the fuck doesn't, (laughs) you know, doesn't LA use him? Pardon my language. And that is one of the things that ails me. Again, and I think we spoke a little bit about it last week in a different context, that it has become a player-orchestrated league. Yeah. Players decide where they want to go and who they want to play for, as well as what position they want to play. Right. If you think back on what Magic Johnson did, you know, mm-hmm. playing center when Kareem was missing in the... Was it the fifth or the sixth game of the NBA Finals? I mean, I would love for some of that old-school mentality to get back into the league of today.
0: Of course. Yeah, I think uh, they're just trying to be nice to him. Clearly, he doesn't want to play the position. But at the end of the day, he may have to end up playing that anyways for long stretches yeah. of the game, right? They may, for you know, as a token gesture, they may just start somebody else. But, you know, this is one of the only, if anything... Uh, knocks I would have against Tim Duncan. I believe he's the guy who really popularized this notion that I want to be a power forward and not a center. <laughs> because he, he started the career with David Robinson and he always tried to hold on to that notion of not playing uh, uh, center. I don't know. I'm sure others have done it before him, but now everybody, nobody wants to play center because you know it's, it puts more pressure on them uh, defensively. Uh, and also, have, it has them banging against bigger bodies. Even though all of that is changing, there are no bigger bodies in the NBA anymore. Yeah. So right. I mean, the biggest body is you're going to bang against Draymond Green, but you're going to bang against him as a power forward as well. So I don't know what the difference is. But there are but, still Jokic and Embiid and guys like that, right? So they want to avoid that matchup as well.
1: Yes, agreed. And you are you just brought up again another name, which. Uh, I know I'm going again further tangentially here, but to me that's another reason which is not clear in a tangible manner. But another reason why I admire the likes of Draymond Green or even in you know in the previous generation, uh, Dennis Rotman at the time, who frankly had neither the size nor the skill to play the prototypical center, yeah. but were willing to basically be the five. Uh, in their lineups, depending on what the team need, uh, needed them to do, and I think uh, to some extent our own Chuckster used to do the same as well. Right. Uh, uh, and I think that is that is something to really admire and appreciate because Draymond playing five yeah. was a huge part of the core nucleus of the Warriors at their best when mm-hmm. they were the run and gun team. Mm-hmm. It usually was with you know Draymond as the playing the five in their crunch time lineup.
0: Right, right. So, you know, one one other point on that is, uh, when you look at these names, um, all of these, half of these guys are washed up, right? Howard, uh, Noah, and Spates. Uh, Spates is not even a great defensive center or anything like that, but he can hit the three and do some things. Somebody made this interesting uh, point, probably on the ESP and the jump or whatever, that Gotthard is an interesting name, right? He is... Really not that washed up it's just that the sport has moved away from him he's purely his situation is purely uh, a, a side effect of uh, the game where the game is and uh, guys like him getting pretty much faced out. I thought that was interesting because he's still a very serviceable player if only this game was uh, in you know we're still playing the 90s version of the NBA this guy wouldn't even be available today. Uh, you'd have been signed on the first week of uh, July, and as a you know, uh, I'm sure you remember him as a Suns player. He's a pretty effective center, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. In fact, that is something which is common to all the players that are trying out as the uh, DeMarcus Cousins replacement right now for the Lakers. I mean, you literally take each one of them: Noah, uh, Howard. Gortat to a slightly lesser extent, and Spades for an even, you know, lesser extent. But these guys would have been an all-star, uh, you know, shoe in about uh, fifteen years ago in the NBA. Right, uh, right. And today they don't literally have a place yeah. in the modern game.
0: Yeah, that is the reality. Cool. Let's uh, let's move into some fantasy stuff. Um, let's hit on sleepers and uh, busts as well as some interesting rookies. Uh, which is probably the easiest of the three uh, in this in the next few minutes. Now, just a explanation, you know, with sleepers and buzz, it's not that this list is going to tell you who's going to be the best guy at his position or the worst guy at his position. That's not the point. It's just think of it as, you know, relative to where you would draft him or relative to his ADP. Uh, sleepers are guys who, who need to go higher, and busts are guys who need to go lower. In fact, Ravi, somebody uh, defined it as a, a two-round differential, right, which I thought was interesting. And I know we, you you usually go with uh, three, four, or five-round differential, but basically somebody was saying if there's a two-round differential between ADP and where we think he will go, that's, that qualifies for a sleeper or a bust. So basically what that means is even Aaron Rodgers could be a uh, bust, right? If you think he shouldn't go in the third round, but he should go in the fifth round. Uh, or even, you know, he shouldn't go in the first round, he should go in the third round. Or vice versa, he becomes a sleeper or a bust. Um, anything you want to add to that kind of a definition?
1: No, I think you encapsulated it really well. In fact, that's the way uh, I interpreted the, both, both the bust and the boom. Oh, uh, or the breakout candidates, uh, that they need to provide value that is plus or minus right. at least two or three rounds, uh, given their average uh, draft position at the moment.
0: Exactly. So, uh, which one do you want to hit first? Why don't you pick the category? I will go first with the players.
1: Okay, let's do the the, the, the busts first. Players <laughs> that are being drafted far too early in your and my perspective
0: yes so my list is not I don't know if it is far too early but really I think it is a little early and I will try to stay away from these guys in their ADP range. Uh, first name is Drew Brees as much as it hurts me to throw this name out there. Because I'm a huge Brees fan, I've been uh, his fan his entire career and I've been st- desperate to get him on the fantasy roster and I think I've succeeded only once in the last decade or whatever. This is the year where I, I'm <laughs> scared that I'll be tempted to draft him, but I don't want to. Basically, uh, his numbers are going down. The uh, you know, Sean Payton's offense is clearly shifting away from him. Uh, they're becoming more run-heavy, and it's it's really a smart strategy given his age and uh, where he is right now. And given that they were really successful with that approach last year, I don't see that changing anytime soon. So I would say just don't fall for the name with this uh, guy and be very careful with the ADP. Uh, Ravi, I will also... Once I'm done with all the three names, I would also like to hear your comments before jumping into your list. Um, of course, there may be an overlap as well. So the second guy on my list, Ravi, is uh, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, as you'll probably notice, he's on both the boom and the bust list, depending on who you're listening to. But the concern for me is I don't think uh, it's practical to expect the Pittsburgh-type production for him from this new uh, offense. uh Adam Gase is very famous for running a really slow offense, the exact opposite of, uh, like, no huddle or uh, hurry-up offense. And with the new quarterback and a very average talent around him, I'm very, very suspicious of his value at uh, uh, how, you know, pretty much he's going in the first round. Now, to be fair, there's not a lot of names around him that you will get you excited, but still I, I'm pretty concerned about his uh, value in the first round or even... Early second. The third name um, is Eric Ebron, the Titan for the Colts. Again, uh, I think he will have a good season, but just don't expect the explosion he had last year, where he pretty much became a lottery ticket for a lot of uh, Super Bowl champions in fantasy. Uh, the offense will continue to emphasize Titans, and in fact, I heard they're trying to carry four or five people, but the problem is they have. Uh, Jack Doyle coming back uh, as well as a good blocking end in Mo Ali Cox who will take a lot of uh, snaps away from these guys. So it's going to be a kind of a committee situation and he's just not going to have the same production even though he'll have a decent season. So Breeze, Bell and Ibran, those are my three names uh, Ravi. Your turn. Yeah, so my uh, uh, actually before I go to
1: my 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 busts uh, for this year, wanted to wholeheartedly agree with you on On I think Adam Gase's uh, slow offense and his fickle mind in how he treats his running backs uh, might end up proving uh, really hard on uh, Bell and on uh, fantasy owners that uh, draft uh, But in any case, my list is as follows. Number one on that list is uh, Adam Thielen, who I completely admit is going to be at worst uh, a serviceable wide receiver 2, but has the upside of being a low-end wide receiver uh, uh, 1, but that's where I kind of disagree with the drafters. At the moment, he's being drafted overall number 27 wide receiver number 12, which would make him a top 12 wide receiver or a first-rounder, so to speak. And my problem with that is that since the new offensive coordinator for the Vikings took over, Larry Stefanski, last season, uh, Thielen's stats dipped to an average of about, uh, I think, five catches for 60 yards or something like that, which is a far cry from the first 10 weeks of last season when he was the wide receiver one in fantasy. So to me, much of what happened the second half is what is going to happen this year. At least that's what I think. With the offensive philosophy having converted for the for the better for the better and for uh, permanency in terms of becoming more of a run heavy offense as well as the fact that it is uh, it is a team which still has issues on its offensive line. So to me I think one of either Diggs or Thielen will be uh, a, a valid, safe wide receiver one and my Gut says that is going to be take So Thielen is going to be a bust. Second pick on my uh, bust list is Mahomes. I know Pat Mahomes is the greatest thing since uh, sliced bread. Mm. He's also in my uh, conscience the number one uh, quarterback in the fantasy league for sure this year. Having said all of it, he is being drafted at an ADP of number 32. <laughs> Which would be the middle of the third round and to me someone who never believes in drafting qbs early that's a gross miscalculation and a crime in regards to wasting your third round pick Uh, to me uh, a he is due for a regression since uh, last year's uh, astronomical stats and b the value over replacement number is not going to be humongous enough to justify picking him In the third round and instead of, say, picking uh, someone like an Andrew Luck four rounds later or a Russell Wilson six rounds later. So, to me, I would rather wait for a QB than to pick Mahomes at number 32 or 35. So, to me, he is due for a bust-like performance as well. And my last person on this list is Damian Williams from KC. He's been a journeyman running back all his career, including in the aforementioned Miami until he shone like a star in the last four games of last year which in my mind is as much due to how good he was as it was to andy reed's offense the question could be why can't that replicate to me the answer to that is darwin thompson a guy that uh reed insisted on drafting early this year is someone that he has been praising unanimously since training camp started and to add to all of it, Damian Williams seems to have already picked up a niggle early on in the preseason. So to me, all those things mean that Damian Williams is definitely not worth the 14th highest running back or the number 31 ADP that he currently has. He is someone that could be a safe flex for sure, uh, may end up kind of inching towards the bottom of a running back two level performance. but. At the at the point of where he's being drafted right now, I think he has bust written
0: all over him. Nice, some hot takes there, Ravi, with uh, Mahomes and uh, Damian Williams. But I do completely agree with you on uh, Williams. Uh, on Mahomes, a uh, couple of thoughts. I love how you went warp on us. Value over replacement player. <laughs> <laughs> That's good uh, analytic knowledge, right there. Um, the other one is. Uh, You said third round. Actually, in a lot of leagues like ours, it may be way higher than that. Uh, Also, the regression is very interesting with him, right? Because even if he drops, he had such a good season last year. People are like, okay, give me 80 percent of that. That's all I need. But anyway, good, good list. And uh, it's your turn to go with the sleepers now.
1: Yeah, so the next list is obviously, as Arvind, as you have very uh, nicely defined it, as the boom players. Players who are being drafted too low, according to me. And number one on that list is Geronimo Allison from Green Bay. Uh, And the reasoning is fairly straightforward. When he played last year, he shown up like a number two wide receiver uh, would on a fantasy team. So he had like... a minimum of six targets in every one of his games, a minimum of 60 yards in every one of his games, and out of the four games he played, he had two touchdowns. All of this, when you compound on top of it, the fact that there is no Randall Cobb this year, Allison is most probably going to be the second wide receiver in terms of Rogers' preference. And when you factor in the fact that he has Aaron Rodgers throwing him the football, makes him too nice of a player to be Slaughtered at uh, at the moment an ADP of 101. Uh, also the 43rd wide receiver being taken. There are so many other players that to me are nowhere close to his level of potential and performance. And to me he is one guy that I'm looking to draft uh, as early as I can, as soon as I hit that eighth ninth round uh, threshold. Uh, my second player uh, on the to boom list is Chris Carson. Again, everyone knows Chris Carson is the uh, running back to own in Seattle, and I know that a lot of people are looking at him as their, uh, you know, as their flex or running back three. I feel he's someone that has the potential or the upside to break into the top ten this year. Uh, he is right now being drafted as the 19th running back overall, ADP of 41, and to me that makes no sense on a team where he is the guy that has clearly shown the bet as the better runner compared to Rashad Penny on a team where they basically prefer to run 65% of the time and a team that is going to stay competitive for the most part in most games. That is like a recipe for success if you are the primary ball carrier. And on top of it, Carson has these intangible where he literally pulls over people, he gets those extra yards. Nothing about him suggests that he is going to regress any further than you know his performance from last year. And so to me, to have someone as safe as him uh, spells uh, why, uh, running back two, uh to me, and to see that he's getting drafted after the likes of Ingram or even the unproven Josh Jacobs, etc. I think that's a little surprising. And the last guy on my boom list, Arvind is a guy that finished the. In, if you if you take the last seven weeks of uh, 2018, and the, the third guy on my list is the guy that finished as the number one. Rushing player in the league, and that is Lamar Jackson. He basically had uh, 685 yards rushing in the last seven games of uh, 2018, and that is just a phenomenal number. And being poor at math, I cannot immediately uh, tell you what that number, 687 <laughs> rushing yards, means if you were to fact, if you were to convert that into a QB number, like you know, in a 25 yard per Point or a 40 yard per point touchdown ba- uh, league that literally means literally thousands of yards as a QB. And so, to me, that aspect of Lamar Jackson's game, coupled with the fact that he has had an entire offseason and training camp and preseason to prepare to be the starter, makes him, frankly speaking, even in our league of record, the quarterback I am most likely to target. And the fact that he's again being chosen as the 14th QB, which means more often than not, he is not a 12-team league's uh, starting QB. It's just bizarre. It's just totally flabbergasting. So, those would be the three guys on my boom list.
0: Cool. I'm I'm a little bit torn on Lamar Jackson myself. Uh, I, I see the value in fantasy uh, because of the rushing, but I'm also scared of uh, how bad a thrower he was last year. So, I'm hoping he would be better this year. Because I, I might have also be forced to, you know, look at him when it's draft time. I totally agree with you on Carson. Um and I was wondering as you were going with Allison, I wonder if some of that is because of the hype that Marques valdez Cantling is getting. Yes. Yes. Right? <laughs> His name is uh floating around a little bit more than Allison. Actually I was really surprised uh that you picked him. It's a Pretty good pick because everybody is just talking about MBS as if uh, Allison didn't even exist.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Okay, these are my sleepers. Uh, You mentioned one of them, Josh Jacobs. Actually, he's also a rookie, so I'm cheating a little bit here. Uh, But basically, he's the running back for the Raiders. And he's going to get a lot of touches. That's the expectation. Uh, He has the body and the frame for goal line work. He's a pretty capable receiver. So I'm really excited to see what Gruden does with this guy. And I think uh, he he is not a secret uh, in uh, in fantasy anymore. But still, uh, I think he could be going even higher as far as I'm concerned. So that's one of my sleepers. The other one, Ravi, is uh, Jameis Winston, actually, the Tampa Bay quarterback. I'm not a big fan of him, never been one, but I am a big fan of his coach, Bruce Arians.
1: Correct.
0: And Bruce Arians is always known for, uh, you know, just great offenses with a lot of long balls and things like that. And among the few things that Jameis actually does well is he's a pretty decent deep passer. And he has the weapons as well with Mike Evans and O.J. Howard and things like that. So I think he's going to have a, at least a better than expected season, right? And to me, he's a sleeper and he may be one of the quarterbacks I target along with your guy, uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, the other name I am think uh, you know I'm really interested in and as well as uh, hoping would be kind of a boom this year is uh, the Chicago wide receiver Anthony Miller. Um, he had a decent season even last year. I think he had seven TDs. He caught a huge percentage of his passes. And he's a pretty talented dude. He, he, he can go short or deep. He, he's a kind of a hidden deep threat as well. Uh, even though they line him up on the slot and things like that, they do. the coaching staff does a good job with him all over the field. So this year, I think, is going to be a breakout for him. Uh Alan Robinson, the other receiver, is also getting some run, but I feel like between the two of them, this guy might be a better value, at least from a fantasy perspective. So those are my three sleepers: uh, James Winston, Jacobs, and uh, Miller. Any thoughts before I go onto the rooks?
1: Two quick thoughts: one is it what you just described has made me feel very nervous about our upcoming draft on sunday because i think you and i are both going to angle for the same guys <laughs> i am absolutely in agreement with you on winston and he is in fact one of the two qbs that is going to be uh, in my uh, you know target range uh, where I want to draft a QB, obviously Lamar Jackson being the other one, and uh, you will see why I said uh, what I said earlier when you see my rookies list. Because yes, primary on that is Josh Jacobs. So I'm a huge fan of what his potential is going to be as well.
0: Wow, nice! So it's going to be an interesting draft for you and me. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you get Lamar and I get Jameis. How about that?
1: That would be a good compromise. <laughs> or there's always uh, trade season.
0: That's true. (laughs) Cool. Okay, let me go with the rookies. Um, Not a lot of mystery here. Uh, Josh Jacobs, we already spoke about him. Um, Kyler Murray, of course, our Arizona Cardinals quarterback, is going to have a good season. I would almost also, you know, this may sound contradictory, but I, I was also going to put him in the bust because I think he is going a little bit too high in some drafts. With that said, as a promising rookie, as a productive rookie, I think he's going to be fine. I don't expect great NFL uh, performances from him, but for fantasy, I think he's going to be more than adequate. There'll be a lot, and you know, with all the injuries the Cardinals have, they will be trailing a bunch of games. The defense is shaky, at least to begin the season. He's going to have a lot of opportunities uh, to, you know, pick up. If you want to call it garbage points, whatever. So I think he's going to be a very productive rookie. So the third guy, Ravi, is uh, Daryl Henderson, the Rams uh, running back. The guy I think they traded up to get. So that guy uh, is going to get a lot of chances because of the Gurley situation. Even if Gurley is completely healthy, I think it will be stupid to run him into the ground. Now, they have, uh, you know, I believe Malcolm Brown and a couple of other guys, but I believe uh, Daryl Henderson is going to be a pleasant surprise this season. So, those are my three rooks to keep an eye on. Murray, Jacobs, and Henderson. Your turn. Uh,
1: I, you know, so my list actually coincides a little bit with yours. I'm huge on uh, Josh Jacobs as well. And given that we've already spoken ad nauseum about him, I'll skip him. Mm -hmm. My second and third pick are... uh, 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 Montgomery, the David Montgomery kid from uh, Chicago or at Chicago, yeah. I actually don't know much about what his uh, skill set is, but to me, the opportunity there is just uh, one of the reasons why I feel he has a top 10 potential. And again, if we were to analyze it on the baseline of where he's being drafted, and compare the fact that he will have at least the same amount of opportunity as Jordan Howard did last year. And despite the fact that we all thought Jordan Howard had a mediocre season, he still finished, I think, top 16 running back for the year last year. So now you see that the same amount of opportunity, at least, is going to be David Montgomery's floor. And with the fact that you know he seems to be a much more talented runner, to me, he's destined for... Uh, Bigger things. And my last pick for the rookie uh, uh, threesome is kind of totally from left field. It's this tight end called TJ Hawkinson from uh, Detroit. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, going back to making it selfish and all about our draft, tight end is another position that I don't believe in drafting too early. And among the late rounders that may still be available when I decide to kind of look at the tight end list, I'm hoping that this guy is available so because, uh, uh, you know, Getting or drafting a tight end at number 8 overall as Detroit this did this past uh, uh, offseason was one of the reasons why I thought that this kid might be good. And on top of it, everything that's come out of the Detroit camp this year has been that they want to feature uh, Hawkinson significantly in their new offensive game plan. So, you couldn't go wrong in my mind at the point where he's being drafted or frankly he is not being drafted in too many leagues uh, in the first place. So to me, in in that situation, he is one of the rookies to watch for me.
0: Yeah, he was... um, uh, uh, You know, I saw his name in a couple of places. I'm not sure yet what I'm going to do with him on on draft night. But David Montgomery obviously is uh, all over the place. So cool. Uh, I think that was a great show. And uh, uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. It's the draft week for most people so good luck everybody and good luck to you as well Ravi uh, yeah no thanks Arvind for uh, literally
1: uh, goading me to kind of be punctual and be on a weekly schedule with this board let's commit to making this a weekly habit of ours and having a lot of fun with this and thank you again uh, to all the listeners who uh, provide us the joy of uh,
0: doing what we do here yep uh, talk to you soon again okay hey.